said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, right? So there are three guys hanging out. Verse 5 says, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things, but I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Let's open up in prayer. And so God, we just uh, ask Lord that um, this mountaintop experience, this mountaintop moment, would also speak to us. Because you did choose to put this in your holy word for us to read. You did choose for us to see this experience. You had to have had a reason for uh, to do that. And so we pray that we would take away what you might be trying to say to us, how you might be trying to speak. We ask, Lord, uh, that you'd speak through me and I wouldn't uh, attain your message. And that you would challenge and encourage all of us and help us to be motivated to not just uh, take some of these things to heart and just have them stay there, but actually put them into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, let's start with this. What do you know about butterflies, right? So I asked that question about butterflies and moths. So, right, so it's actually pretty complicated, and there is a difference between the two, and I was watching uh, some videos and, like, reading about them this past week. It's pretty amazing. If you could put yourself in the shoes of, like, let's, let's say a monarch butterfly. So before that monarch butterfly gets to be the monarch butterfly, right? He's like this little tiny, you know, caterpillar. It all starts with this little tiny egg. Like the size of um, the head of a, of a needle of a pen. Like that's where it starts. So mom drops it off on this leaf, usually on, an, on the underside of a leaf. And it strategically drops it off on a specific leaf. Because the idea is when it starts to grow, it's actually going to eat that leaf. So it drops off like this tiny, super tiny, small little egg on this leaf. And when it starts to move, uh, it starts to feed on the egg itself and eat its way out of it. You know, it's got all the good nutrients in there for it. Once it gets out, finishes eating the shell. And then for um, the next, uh, depending on, you know, which scientist you look at, for the next uh, few weeks or so, maybe less, maybe more, all they do is just eat. They just eat, eat, eat. And they actually um, increase their size to more than a hundred times. They just keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. And then uh, what they do is they find themselves a twig. And they go hang out on a twig. They have this like little sticky, spidey string that they like stick on there. They hang on this twig. And what happens is, uh, it turns into, it's not even a cocoon, they have a, a special name for it, which I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because I'll just mess it up. Uh, because uh, the people that actually study and look at these things are very specific about what cocoons are and what they're not and who's in them and who's not. So I don't want to insult anybody. 
So they're in this, let's say, sack, right? They're in this sack. And while they're in this sack, it's incredible. If you could actually get like a, a camera in there, inside the sack, it's, it's really just almost like this like liquid and slime, really. Because there's this metamorphosis, there's this transformation, there's this change happening inside of there. And uh, after some time, usually a week to two weeks, something like that, it'll start to uh, elongate, form legs, form its wings now, all of a sudden. And what happen is uh, they'll start to slowly kind of come out of their sack. And their, their wings aren't full form yet. They're, they're kind of small, they're really small. And when they get out of the sack, then their wings start to enlarge because the blood and everything starts pumping to the wings and then they start to expand. And then now they're an adult monarch butterfly, you know, and they fly around. And really all they do um, is they feed on nectar. And then they'll probably mate, and they'll start to lay another egg, and then the whole cycle will start again. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, being that caterpillar where one day, like, you're crawling around and eating. And then another day, you wake up. You have wings on now. I mean, seriously, like you went to bed one night and then you woke up and you're like, shut up. This is really going to, what? I'm going to fly. Like, that's a, an unbelievable change and like metamorphosis, a transformation that takes place. It's unbelievable. At such a small level and it happens all the time and we pretty much take it for granted because, you know, it happens. It's pretty miraculous though. How does something change from like this little egg to this little furry thing that walks around and eats like crazy, turns into slime, and then comes on out with legs and wings? It's amazing. And beautiful. Right? And so it's supposed to come out. That's supposed to be an illustration of how our walk with Jesus Christ is supposed to go, what it's supposed to look like. That term metamorphosis and transformational. We're supposed to go kind of from where we were before Christ. Where we were before we knew about Jesus. Before we knew about the Bible. And he's going to take that person and bring them through these stages of feeding, of being in this sack, of pretty much rearranging them. And on the other end, they're still the same person, but they've been metamorphosized or transformed by God himself. That's what should happen with us. So sometimes you talk with people and they may have been Christians for like a long time and they're like, man, that's who I used to be. That's who I used to be, but I'm not that anymore. And hopefully maybe some of us can say that. Maybe two, three years ago, that's who I used to be. And I'm not saying about like better character development. Well, I don't have those bad habits anymore. I don't really hang around with those people. It's good, it's good. But are you like changing into the image of Jesus Christ? Like that's the part that we're talking about. I'm not the same person then. I didn't even really care about Jesus Christ. That you know, I just sort of did my thing. But now am I like, am I starting to walk in his shoes? Maybe can I even relate to a little bit of like what I'm reading or what I hear pastors even talk about? So there should be this metamorphosis, this kind of change. And the only reason I bring that up is because uh, the passage we just read, which we'll look at more in detail in a minute. It's called the transfiguration. That's the title of the message. They actually metamorphosize. That he changed his appearance. So we just read that after six days, he takes three guys with him, Peter, James, and John. So after six days, maybe on the seventh day, on a Sunday, maybe kind of appropriate, he takes them up, up on a hill. 
while he's up there, they're talking, they're hanging out. All of a sudden, Jesus transfigures, metamorphosizes right in front of him. And it says, right, it describes him uh, right there. It says he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, so he's super bright. And his clothes became as white as the light. So like the best bleach of all time, you know. But it was just like super white, just changed appearance right before their eyes. And then what happens? Moses and Elijah show up. Like, what? And why those two guys? So look at that. Like, why did they show up? That's interesting about, you know, why these two guys... I mean, they could have picked David. Uh, They could have picked, uh, you know, any number of guys from the Old Testament. Abraham, I mean, anybody. Jacob. Somehow, Elijah and Moses are there hanging out. And since they're hanging out, wouldn't you like to know what they're talking about? What are they talking about? What's going on? So then Peter says, man, this is a good place to be. In fact, it's so good, why don't we just build some shelters and just hang out for a while? Let's just hang out here. And what happens is, God speaks from heaven, believe it or not. And he says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. And then they just, as if they're not freaked out already, I don't know how they're not already, now they really get freaked out and they just fall on the ground. Jesus says, it's okay, it's okay, come on, get up. And when they get up, Moses and Elijah are gone. And then as they're coming down and as they're leaving, Jesus says, hey, listen, don't tell anybody about this until I rise from the dead. And then they start talking about Elijah. So it's interesting. So we're going to dig into this a little bit more. And it's a message where, um, you know, we have to consider and think about, like, why would God put this in the Bible? Right? So we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, that God put this all stuff together. Some things that happened to Jesus' life are not in here. For whatever reason, God chose some things to put in here. So why would He choose to put that in there? And what does that really have to do with us in 2013? So that's what we're going to try and take a look at. So title message, Transfiguration. And we got three observations we're going to try and take away. Here's the first one. First observation is, we have to go to grow. We have to go to grow. Here's what I mean by that. It says, after six days, Jesus took with them Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So now, maybe you're putting the pieces together about how I ended up at Naugatuck State Forest, maybe. There's like big mountains there. It's high. And I'm reading this passage, and I'm just, you know, I have this urge and this feeling like, man, I just need to get away. I need to go so that I can grow. I need to get away, remove myself from just a crazy, chaotic, hectic week. And so some of you know, you know, that I'm a teacher and I didn't teach all week, so how could it be that crazy, that hectic, that chaotic? Well, in fact, it was extremely, in fact, I've worked more, pretty much every vacation it works out to be, I work more than than I actually do when it's a work week. It's just the way it goes. Um, Jaron was an animal this past week. I mean, he just had me going everywhere, um, doing everything. Kid's an animal. And then I also had time to, like, invest more into, like, church-related things and, and call people and doing, like, premarital uh, counseling and doing prayer times. And so, you know, doing all that stuff just adds up over time. And so now I find myself again on a Sunday trying to get schoolwork done for Monday. Like, it never ends. You know, I'm 32 years old, still trying to get my schoolwork done. But it was a crazy, hectic week. And as a pastor, what's supposed to be happening is during the week, I'm supposed to be setting aside good quality time. Setting myself apart, getting away to be with God, and just listen with Him. 
and talk with him and enjoy him and figure out, God, what are you saying? What's going on? What are we doing? Speak to me. I need you in my life. I need you. And so the quiet times this week, you know, for me personally, we're okay. They're kind of up and down. They weren't really that well distracted. I wasn't focused for a lot of them. Um, I I felt like, you know, some good things came out of them. But I just needed whatever. I just needed some time to get away. And I'm reading this passage like, man, let's go Nautic State Forest. You know, like, let's just go. Let's just get away. Um, And I only got lost once, so that was pretty good. Um, But it's a huge forest. So if you ever want to go and get away, which would be a good idea, there's lots of opportunity and there's lots of high places. Um, What's that? Do they camp there? There is camp. Yep, there are camps there. So, I think what we need to take away and what we need to realize about this going and growing type deal is that there's a maturity element in here that has to take place. So here's what I mean. So watching Jaren this week, you know, I'm up close and personal with the kid all week long, which I loved it, and I'm not, you know, downplaying that. I loved it. Um, you know, as far as Jaren goes, he, uh, he, he's very stimulated. Like, he just wants to take part in everything. He really likes everything. You know, he just wants to go, 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 go. And maybe, you know, some kids, you know, like that. Um, you know, they just want to go. They cannot stop on their own. And so in the beginning, they're like huge smiles on their faces. They're running around things. They're running into things. They're laughing. They're flopping. I mean, they're just doing everything. But after hours of that, they start getting like kind of drunk. You know, they just like, they're like laughing one second, then crying the next and falling down and wobbling. And now rubbing into, you know, running into a wall, not on purpose, but by accident. And they can't control all their motor skills. And they just, but they're like, no, I'm going to stay up. I want to keep go, 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 go. You know, and they just keep like going. I don't want to miss anything. Get the ball, get the ball, get the ball. And then run over here and go over here. Well, there's the dog, you know, and just come like flying over there. And like they just cannot stop, right? And I think that I'm, you know, laughing at him and seeing it. You know, me as the parents, the adults, like, obviously you need a nap right now. You just need to like relax and settle down. Right, and what we need to do, right, as adults... Sometimes we can absolutely get caught up with like, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. Like I got the laundry to do. I got like the grass to do. I got the bills to pay. I got to clean out that room over here. I got to get that closet over there. You know, and we just get into like this same mode. And I'm sure God is like, what the heck are you doing? Like you need to like go, like separate from it. Forget the grass for a minute, you know, and like just like go away. You just have to do that. Maybe not, you know, not forever. You can't leave forever. But, you know, for a period of time, like, you know, you need that. And as adults, hopefully we develop that skill where we can get away and sort of de-stress and decompress. That's a skill we want to be able to learn. But now as Christian adults, here's the difference. We want to go, get away, de-stress, decompress, and also be filled by Him. That's what we want to do. So that's like the big difference there. So as adults who are Christians, we should know and understand that we will not be the type of man or woman God is calling us and asking us to be without His help and His filling. So as adults, hopefully we understand that, like, man, we just can't keep running it and just going crazy all the time. As Christian adults, we want to understand and have the reality of, wow, 
I could not be the Jared that God has called me to be unless I just get alone, separate myself, and just get along with him. It's not possible. It can't happen. I could try really hard and wear myself out and get punch drunk like Jaron can, but it's just not going to happen. And you won't become the man or woman that God has called you to be in your own power. It just won't happen. We need those times to get away. And the reason why we can't do it in our own power is because at the end of the day, God wants the glory. God wants the credit. So we point back and say, man, I don't know how that happened. It had to be God. Hopefully that becomes like a regular part of like our speech and interaction with people. How did you do that? How did that happen? How did you survive that? This tragic event just happened to your life. Why would you be going to that Bible study right now? Why would you be going to that church right now? Why would you be memorizing that verse with what's going on in your life right now? I don't know. God's doing something. God is at work. That's the part that catches people's attention. And I think if we could really utilize and perfect one skill as adults, that's one we really want to utilize and perfect really well. Having the ability to go because we know we need that time for growth. We want to possess that ability as Christians. We have to. In fact, I would even say, I don't know how many people that call themselves Christians that never ever spend any time alone ever with God. I don't even know if they're even really Christian, to be honest with you. How does it even work? To like sit around and like be around and like interact with those people is a good thing. You know, the people maybe at the church and the other Christians. But as far as I go, you know, realistically, when was the last time that I just, man, shut some stuff down? Or maybe, you know, had a talk with Julie or my spouse or whoever and said, I need a half hour. Just give me a half hour. I got to just get along. Get some growth time. Now, I was reading an article this past week that Americans, believe it or not, um, at least according to the few articles that I read, is one of the most overworked nations. And we're just like overworked, just taught, you know, underpaid and just stressed out. And certainly the temptation, everybody in here works hard. Everybody in here does. We're all working hard just to try and make it, provide better for our families and just trying to, just trying to make it. We're working hard. And certainly the temptation... If there ever is any possibility of some downtime, the temptation is just have it be me time. I just need some me time. Forget everything. And for many people, I can just take you know different forms in different places. I don't know what it might be. You know, it might be the TV. You know, it might be uh, the drink. It might be wherever. I just need my me time. I need my me time. There definitely is some truth to that. But you also need like some kingdom time. And that's the difficult part for us. That's the really difficult part for us. Could we actually trust God? So if we actually get that little morsel of the time that we want just to like decompress for a little bit. And we just got that little bit of time. Whether we got up early or stayed up late or maybe somehow in a day it worked out where we had 20 minutes, 25 minutes to ourselves. If it actually worked out, would God actually bless me and take care of me for not doing, just ignoring everything and just consuming my me time. Could God actually do that? Would He actually do that? That's where faith comes into play, right? That's when we're asking God for courage. Like, God, give me the courage to just trust you. If I ever get any time, or take it one step further, if I make that time at 
whatever time in the morning, whatever time at night, whenever. Help me to trust you to make up what I need through that time. That's a big deal for the Christian. Huge. But the Christian has to have that time. And it never says in the Bible that Jesus was away every day at 5.45 in the morning. That's just what he did. Or he's away at 7.15 at night. Or, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't say how often he did it. I would say, certainly, as a pastor, as a human living in our bodies, I mean, we need at least something every day. But it was certainly made clear. God put it down many times that, hey, listen, Jesus himself had to get away frequently. Frequently. So we got to understand, see that, it's like, man, when was the last time I actually did separate myself for the purpose of just going to find God? That's something we want to entertain and talk about. Because look at these words that are in the Bible. Here's why this stuff is so important. Just take some of these wordings that's in the Bible. All having to do with focus. Different types of focus. So we're talking about fruit-focused Christians. Fruit-focused. Okay? We're talking about father-focused Christians. And we're talking about follow-focused Christians. Right? Take a look here. Let me just read you this John 15 passage. Because this passage is... uh, And you can turn there if you'd like. But you don't have to. But the John 15 passage, to just sort of like pop in and pop out, you know, or hardly ever pop in to like Jesus and God's world is like, it's crazy. Look at the way Jesus describes himself and how all this stuff works. So Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. That's some heavy language right there. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that they'll be even more fruitful. So sometimes the challenge for the Christian is like, dang, is he like cutting me off right here? Is he just pruning me? Because both of them hurt, right? Both of them hurt. Hopefully we're in the pruning phase. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So if you became a Christian, you professed Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're already clean says, remain in me, or some versions, abide in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he goes on to just keep talking about it. The whole deal, as far as God and Jesus is confirmed, uh, concerned, is this issue of fruit. This whole like relationship with God is not necessarily to just make me feel better. It's actually to bear fruit for Him. So number one, like get my sin issue done away with. God, I believe Jesus took it all on the cross. He did it all. It's done. I received that for myself and I'm going to try and live it out. And so now the live out part is, let's go bear fruit for God. What kind of fruit are we talking about? What fruit? Fruity Christians, right? We're supposed to be fruity Christians. What fruit are we talking about? Because that's what we're supposed to be bearing. Because that's, as he describes, you know, relationship with God, he talks about a vine and the branches are being fruitful. And he says, you know, if not bearing any fruit, I just cut you off. Whatever. He said, but listen, if you are bearing fruit and you're struggling and you're doing what you can, he said, I will prune you at times so we can grow and bear some more fruit. So in Galatians... 
In Galatians 5, 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit... So here's the thing. God you know, is trying to work out in us. He's trying to develop in us the things that really matter. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? Against things there are no such law. So those are the things like He's trying to build in us. That doesn't just happen on our own by happenstance. And it doesn't even just happen just by being around others who like maybe have it. We have to like get alone and get with Him to let, give Him the opportunity to be able to do that. Jaron taught me a lot this week. Yesterday we were, uh, we were at this uh, great cloth diaper change. It was my idea. Not really. It was Julie's idea. And uh, basically what it is, is you get a bunch of people together. We're all going to change cloth diapers together at uh, 11 a.m. And if we all do it together at the same time, everybody across the nation, actually internationally, all the cloth diaper psychos, we get them all together. Uh, we set a record in the Guinness Book of the World Records. <laughs> so, uh, so we did it last year. Uh, we did it again this year, and now Julia was actually a co-sponsor, so, you know, when you uh, see her, treat her as um, the authority that she is, you know, the co-sponsor for the great cloth diaper change. Um, it, was, it got a lot bigger uh, since last year. Uh, it's pretty interesting. But, you know, while we were there, um, I, I was on, uh, I, I on Jaren duty there, and we were running and doing all kinds of stuff, and there's all kinds of people to meet, and there's a play area, it was a lot of fun, and... You'd think that between all the tables and there was a little play area with slides, there was like a ton of kids, there was like, I don't know, seven soccer balls, eight dodgeballs, two basketballs, I mean, all that stuff. Man, he saw and he wanted one thing. It was the balloon on the table. It was the balloon. He just had laser focus on... I would take him into the play area with, like, the swing, uh, with the balls. I mean, just... We went outside to a park next door. The balloon. He wants to... And he just run. Wherever he was, just run up to the... Bah, bah, bah. He just wanted that balloon. And this is, like, a time span of, like... Eventually, I caved in and gave it to him. But this is over a time span of like, uh, I don't know, an hour and a half or so before I finally gave in. He just run to that, wherever he was. He could be across the gym, weave his way through the traffic, do the cloth diaper mom, spin move, come around, bah, bah, bah. And I will be in the play area, bah, bah. Laser focus on that balloon. I'm like, man, you know, spiritually, like we're talking about, you know, Father focus here. We're talking about fruit focus. Follow focus. I mean, fruit, just focus. Well, I want to bear fruit for the king. That's what I'm here to do. Like, Jeremy, laser focus on a little balloon, man. I want to bear some fruit. God's going to be working. He might be pruning me right now. Right? Well, I know he's pruning me right now. And chances are, if you're abiding in him, he's pruning you right now. So chances are, who can get, me, get around me and help me deal with this pruning process for what he's doing? What's he trying to cut out? What's he trying to deal with? Father-focused, it talks about worshiping God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's like every fiber that leaves nothing out. I want to give Him everything. Everything. That's why it's so awesome. Like during worship, I see like, you know, everybody with their hands up. God, just take it all. 
Doesn't mean that at times I'm not going to try and hold some back. But for right now, I'm saying, take it all. Take it all. Take it all. Deep down, that's what I want. That's what I know it's right. That's the battle. You know, I was trying to give that stuff up. And we say follow focused. Because in that Second Kings passage, you can read those other passages during the week. That Second Kings passage is that God was just a still, small voice. You know, there was this storm. You know, there was this fire. But a still, small voice is where he was. Wouldn't it be follow focused on that still, small voice? Have I cut some time out of my crazy day to even maybe clue in on that still, small voice? We need it. We need it. As Christians, we need it. It's got to happen. It's got to happen as frequently as we possibly can. And so it's nice that we live in the age, you know, where we can hear pastors, where we uh, can go online and get different studies and do different things. Um, But sometimes we just need to just get away. And I'm not talking about just like, you know, prayers in the car, which are good. Um, Thinking about God throughout the day, which is good. I'm talking about at times we need to just go to go get some growth. Just completely remove ourselves and give them all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. You want to hear an honest testimonial too? So I go to Noctec State Forest. I'm like pumped to go see God. I'm pumped to like go out there. And I'm like, Lord, come meet with me, you know? Like drop down like 10 angels. We can hang out on the rock and like overlook the valley, talk together, you know, do something. I'm totally pumped. Um, and so I'm there. Uh, and, you know, I'm walking through. I'm like, what the heck? You know, where are these trails? I'm looking at my phone, like the trails, you know, which one's going to bring me to like a good cliff so I can overlook, you know, and get some good prayer time. And I never really found one. I didn't plan it out that well. So, um, I ended up finding, like, this rock that was pretty high up, you know, and got some, like, you know, pretty good prayer time. I just got a chance just, like, to think and reflect and just, God, what's going on, you know, pray, you know, for my wife and for my kids and, you know, for people here and, you know, just giving it all to them, you know, just doing that because it has to get done. And, uh, and it was a pretty special time. It wasn't really what I expected. I was expecting, like, a lot more. I was expecting God to just, like, boom, you know, it's just pile me with something, knock me down, you know, whatever. That's what I'm coming to the table with, because if he's God, he could do whatever. So, that, that prayer time was nice. So I'm like, nah, I want to go to another spot. Like, this, I don't like this spot that much, you know, I'm thinking like it's the spot. You know? <laughs> so then I'm like, I'm walking, you know, to this other place, and it's like headed downhill, but I'm like, eh, maybe it'll go uphill, but it's going downhill, yeah. I don't really want to go down. I want to go up. So, like, I spend the next, like, two hours just walking and just hiking, like, unbelievably through the thorns and all this stuff. And I'm like, Ugh. So I finally leave, like, three and a half hours later. I'm like, Lord, yeah. I want to, like, you know, a long time just with you high somewhere, just talking through, just, just like, overwhelm me. But it was okay. It was kind of special talk for a while. But I didn't want to, like, hike for three hours. You know, and and I, and I share that with you because sometimes, like, it is a big deal just to separate yourself. You might come in with big expectations, and I want you to. I want you to believe God for more all the time. Because at the end of the day, I don't put the blame on God. I just got to put it on me. God knows what He's doing. He's above me. He's got a different perspective. He knows what He's doing. So sometimes you might get away because it's such a big deal just to remove ourselves. Just get away. And maybe that quiet time might not come out like to maybe how you expect it. And I can tell you the temptation from the fleshy side is, ah, God's full of crap. You know, we're what? He doesn't really want to do anything right now. You know, he, you're not really that important. It doesn't really matter. He could do this like for all these other people, but he's not going to do it for you. That's what the fleshy side will go after. But we don't want to let 
that take a foothold, right? We don't want that to take a foothold. We just got to go by courage and by faith and say, Lord, I'm just, I knew I had to go and get away. I do, it didn't really pan out the way I expected, but it's something I know I have to do. So hopefully as Christians, we can do that. So we have to go to grow. Does that make sense? We got to go to grow. Have to. Because honestly, we're not really going to grow a whole heck of a lot if God does not just have every ounce and every fiber of us. Might grow maybe, you know, at a snail's pace over a long period of time, but why drag ourselves through the mud like that? Alright, observation number two. It says, we will receive special instruction and revelation for what is coming into our lives. We will receive special instruction and revelation for what is coming into our lives. So when we go, get away to grow, we will receive special instruction and revelation for what is coming into our lives. It's interesting, Jesus chose Peter, James, and John. These are like his three sort of inner circle guys, his go-to guys. There's three inner circle guys. Peter, James, John. All fishermen. And uh, he only did this two other times in the Bible where he kind of like, hey guys, like, you know, come on. You three guys, you know, with me. He did it two other times. He did it when Jesus healed uh, a ruler's daughter. This guy Jairus, he healed his daughter. So he had other guy, two guys around him. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is agonizing, Say, I want to die. He had these guys come with him. So every single time, death was in the picture. Jesus had these guys come with him. Every single time, death was around. And it was a struggle. Or something going on around death. He always chose those three guys to come with him. And one time, Jesus was showing his victory over death with Jairus' daughter. Boom, I raised her from the dead. Another time in the garden, in Gethsemane, it's really... A submission to death. I have to die right now. And at this point in time, it's almost like a revelation about his death. So these three guys, always around, you know, death. It's interesting that Peter, James, and John would all die a serious martyr's death. In fact, James would be the first one to die in Acts chapter 12. John would also die, and then Peter would also die, crucified upside down. It says that James possibly was sawed in half. John, supposedly by Emperor Nero, they tried to boil him and make like a fried apostle, basically. Didn't kill him all the way. Sent him off in exile to island of Patmos. These guys were right, center, and forefront with the death issue and the cross. Right there. It was a big deal for them to understand and learn that before the crown comes the cross. It's a big deal to learn that before that crown of glory and victory does come the cross. It's the way it worked for Jesus. Many times it's going to be the way it works for us. We've got to be willing to just put some things on that cross before we actually taste maybe some victory and some glory. So you got to believe that Peter, James, and John knew something a little extra special about death and about God and about Jesus. Because they've had like one-on-one, almost personal, specialized training by Jesus himself. Because Jesus and God knew what was coming later down the road for them. And so don't you think 
that may be in your life that when you get alone and when we pay attention to God, don't you think, oh, I know, He is going to speak to you and give you individualized instruction for what might be coming down the road in your life. Absolutely. No question about it. Absolutely. Who knows how He might use you later on down the road with specialized instruction because of the situations and things you've had to deal with in your life. And who knows how God might work through you to bless and comfort and help someone else. And honestly, most of the time, when things are really rough and it's really a storm, we're just trying to survive. Honestly. But you know, that's really the, the deal. But as Christians, we want to survive and just hold on to Him the best that we can. With that faith knowing that further on down the road, He's got something specialized for somebody else because of the way He's going to talk and work through us. Peter, James, and John knew about that. Uh, This week, I forget what I was listening to. Um, I always hear this phrase, you know, no regrets, you know, comes up a lot. And sometimes, uh, nobody ever probably watches it, but I was watching uh, this video from, uh, there's this thing called TED. Um, it's basically like they have all these conferences where all these really smart people come together. They talk about all kinds of different issues. Could be medical, could be philosophical, um, could be social, anthro, uh, anthropological. That's not a good word. Anthropology. But it could be technological. It could be all kinds of things. So TED, they sponsor all these conferences. All these really smart people share a lot of things. And it's pretty interesting, some things that are shared. Um, most of the time they're not Christian. But it's like... Just because somebody's not a Christian doesn't mean they have, you know, you just disregard everything they say. There's still a lot of value, still a lot of work there, you know, you want to pay attention to. Um, so I was listening to this one person, you know, no regrets, you know, no regrets about your life, no regrets about this, no regrets about that. And I was like, I understood what she was saying. Like, you know, you don't want to regret and live in the past. Because if you live in the past, you never really live in the moment. And you're certainly, you know, not really going to move on into the future. So you can't live in the past in those past regrets. You can't let that dominate your life. I get that part. But no regrets. You talk to some people, maybe that now have trusted their life to Jesus Christ. Maybe later on in life. And they say, man, I finally just went all in. I know God was knocking on my heart. He put people in and around my life. And I finally have for the past year, few years, six months, two weeks. And the first thing they, almost every single time, when somebody's just going all in, and you can tell when they have, it's like, ah, I just, you hear him say so many times, I wasted so much time. Why did I, why was I so dumb? Why was I listening? Why did I waste that time? I had that conversation like four or five times this week. Why did I waste the time? There's no regrets with that. When you know God's will is right in front of you and He's laying it out for you and we, don't, and we choose not to walk in it for whatever reason, whether it be distractions, laziness, flat-out denial, there's definitely regrets associated with that. Absolutely. We don't always have to learn the hard way of what God has in store for us. We don't have to all the time. We could actually just maybe listen right away to what's going on around us and what other people are saying and just like walk in that and receive that specialized instruction of what we might need to just go forward. So the goal for us should be 
to take advantage of where His Spirit is leading today. Because that's what we care about. Specialized instruction. Where is He leading today? Like Sunday today, for the rest of the day, where is the Spirit leading? Where is He going? What's He doing? What's going on? I want to bear fruit. I want to walk in it. Right? So check it out. Right? Where is His Spirit leading? Where is He leading among people I'm going to be around? Where is it? What's going on? Who can I bless? Who can I help? Who can I reach out to? Who could I pray for? Right? Where is He leading among prayer? Alright, well, if I'm not praying, I don't really know where He's leading. But now that I am actually engaged in prayer, alright, where, where am I going? God, where, what am I praying for? Now, where's it going? I can tell you this week. So the sisters were like heavy on my mind this week. You know, boom, just laying it down. Put the whammy on them for me. You know, just like, God, for whatever reason, His Spirit just guided me there. You know? And if you engage in prayer, that will also happen with you. It'll just guide you something. Just praying for people. Leading among my thoughts. Where's the Holy Spirit leading among my thoughts? Where's He pruning my thought life? Like, what needs to be, like, right? What should I be thinking about? And what is just taking up, you know, valuable space and time? Got to think about that stuff. Where's He leading with my emotions? Where are they dominated? What's going on? Is there anything dominating it that's like other than God, than other than His pruning? I need to be caught up in that. Is there anything else dominating my emotions? That would be unhealthy for me. Where is the Holy Spirit leading around my pruning? Where is He working like in my life? Got to be paying attention to that stuff. We never even think about those things. They never even enter our thought process unless we actually get alone and we pay attention to God. It's not even, like, it's not even on our radar. Well, I didn't even think about that before. Right? You wouldn't. Got to get alone and think about this stuff and pray and ask God for that stuff. Like this week, you know, you know, watching Jaron and uh, Julie wasn't feeling really good this week. So I could see, you know, part of that, um, the Holy Spirit was leading me, you know, pray for the sisters. He was leading me to pray about different things that we could do like here, you know, among the church as far as like, you know, having people help out and being more efficient and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so praying for that. Um, also praying for, uh, I saw a lot of selfishness in me this week. Like I just, I just saw it. Julie wasn't feeling good. I was carrying like a lot of the load, you know, and I could just see like, it was, it was like creeping up, you know, and it's like, wow, why are you doing all this? You shouldn't be doing all this. This isn't good. Bad attitude, you know. Don't be nice to Julie. Like, I could see, seriously, like, right? You could see it rearing its ugly head. And don't act like you've never been there, because I know you have, right? I'm just talking about it, right? It has come up, right? It has come up. That ugly head's starting to come up, and I'm like, okay, how long am I going to entertain this for? I could kill it right now and be like, no, 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 you know? I could start to think about it, you know? Be like, yeah, why am I doing why why didn't she? Yeah. No, 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 no. Right? No. You know? No way. No way. Either I washed my wife's feet and I said those vows on the wedding day or I did it. Right? It's gotta come down to that. So heavy duty words that I said right there. Nobody ever knows really what they're saying when they say it right there. But you find out after. Am I really committed to what I just said right there? Whether I knew it or not. Not the issue now. The issue now is am I committed to it? So I want specialized instruction and revelation for my life and what's going on around me. So i got to go and get away. Last observation. We'll close with this. Our lives should glow like Jesus. It should glow like Jesus. He was glowing. Right? The illustration was the butterfly metamorphosis transformation. 
An interesting thing that happens with that butterfly and a transformation is it happens from the inside out. Happens from the inside out. All that slime and everything comes from the inside out. My hope and my prayer is that God has so blessed and touched your life that from the inside out it starts to glow. From the, it's just, just oozing out from the inside. Man, you've been with Jesus and it is just oozing out of you and you are just glowing like Him because you've spent time with Him. Let me close with a couple questions because it's already been a while here. So here's some questions. I basically have like a laundry list but I want you to pay attention because I think they're really good questions and I think it has to do with everything that we've talked about this morning. So let's close with some of these questions. Are you experiencing a lack of growth in your Christian walk? Do you aspire and dream of more? Are you tired and stressed? Do you have a difficult time believing that if you were to give up your you time to unplug, that God would make up the difference and give you what you need? Do you need special revelation and instruction from God in a particular area? What may God be trying to speak to you? Would you say that your life is glowing for Jesus? Do you want it to be? Have you seen in any transformation in your life over the past year? And do you need to see Jesus and His glory to build up your faith? Right? These are all questions about things that we've talked about. And so I don't know where you sit as far as like going and getting away and receiving specialized instruction and even caring and wanting about you know, trying to shine like Jesus. But I hope that's on your radar screen. And I hope... I hope that even just for the rest of today, we could have like laser focus like Jaron on that balloon, just as far as like, what kind of fruit is he trying to do with me? What kind of pruning is going on with me? And doing whatever it takes to get there. Because the great news is that we don't have to do it alone. Like we can have a community of people to reach on and help us out. A Christian community family. And that's really nice to have. The difficult part is like us taking an initiative when we need it to go reach out to somebody. That's the difficult part because it's humbling. It's humbling. But God gives grace to the humble, but He opposes the proud. That's what happens. So what we're going to do is we're going to close with one song here. Um, an older hymn, uh, In Christ Alone. We're going to close with the, that hymn because honestly that's where we want to be. Hopefully that's where our focus uh, is. That's where we need it to stay. So we're going to close with that hymn and then we'll stand together in prayer.